Welcome to After Credits here on the Intercut Podcast channel where we review a new movie including anything that comes after the credits. I'm your co-host Zachary Shevich and joining me live from the Mojo Dojo Casa House, it's Arturo Zurita. I know that if they did sell them, it would sell out faster than they claimed so in the movie. That, that's a fact. I think that's the yeah. one line that, as stupid as it was, <laughs> I keep hearing in my, in my head. Or anytime someone makes a joke about it, I actually do chuckle mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah, like I went into the movie very aware and like on like look the lookout for all the commercialism aspects of it and the toy commercial aspects of this Did movie. You catch any? He was a little hard to find, but you know, I it damned if I didn't leave it thinking that I kind of want that I am Knuff sweatshirt hoodie. Did you hear about the subtitles in different languages? <laughs> oh my God, Sufisia Ken, believe yeah. the, the one. and then and then instead of in Denmark, I think, or it was like instead of uh, uh, it was Kendom. Instead of uh, <laughs> what, what I the kingdom hear. was supposed to be. I love that. Uh, or, or Kenmark, I think is what it was. Kenmark. Um, so I'm excited to watch all of the different alternate cuts of Barbie that come with all the little different language puns. But mm-hmm. I like when they take the time to be able to do stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Well, the big screen adaptation of the iconic Mattel doll Barbie did arrive this past uh, yes, two sir. weekends ago, I guess that now, directed by indie darling Greta Gerwig with a script co-written by her and Noah Baumbach and starring as well Ooh. as produced by the radiant Margot Robbie. In many ways, this is exactly the kind of movie you'd expect from that collection of talent with this type of intellectual property. Is it a meta exploration of the ways in which the doll world doesn't align with the real one? Yes. Is it a modern feminist critique of the unfair standards created by idealistic portrayals of fictional women like Barbie. Yes. Is it also a toy commercial and a shameless exercise in brand management? Yeah, that too. But Arturo, despite of or maybe because of all of those things, would you also say that Barbie is a good movie? I think it's a very, very, very fun movie. Uh, In terms of this pipeline that we've had of directors becoming or, or being indie, whatever that means, Zach, as we've been on this podcast for a long time, whatever that means at this point in time, uh, going from an independent movie into something really big, right? I think that this is in line with uh, a lot of other big jumps that directors have made. Uh, you know, uh, a big pushback that people had was, oh, why is she doing this? I, I feel like the people who have given Nolan the pass for doing The Dark Knight, mm-hmm. so he can do one for them, you know, uh, one for himself. All of these big directors that we've seen, who have done it, the people who have never had a problem with that finally started having a problem with that. Mm-hmm. And then the people who have always thought that that is selling out, <laughs> they got a new phrase and it's called cashing in. Damn, <laughs> I didn't think we were just completely swapped. And that's what's perplexed me the most. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not that you disagree with the other side. It's like all, all of a sudden, everything that we had prior to this movie coming out has been flipped on its uh, head. Every time that a new Marvel movie would come out, right? Kids grew up with these the, these comics, reading it with their parents, maybe Transformers, uh, whatever it was. And people would be like, uh-uh, you can't connect to that. That's capitalistic. Mm-hmm. Until Greta made a Barbie movie that did shine a light on, you know, maybe there is some garbage that comes with this doll. But there's also a lot of beauty that comes with it. So to me, yeah, it, it's just like the best version of a Marvel movie. And you can't argue that anymore because some people didn't realize it was going to be a Mattel universe. Right. The new MCU, the Mattel expanded universe <laughs> that they're going to be doing. Um, 
And if I've enjoyed the Marvel movies, I enjoy this one as well. If you now enjoy this movie, hey, there is a lot of other IP out there that people haven't been given a chance. And when you get the right directors, it can be something good. So to me, I think she handled it in the best way possible. Some jokes were a little too over the top for me. I think it rides uh, this direction of very much holding your hand. There are narrators. Mm -hmm. There are there is text on screen. So when it doesn't hold your hand, people like they just go like mad. They don't know how to break down the movie or or read certain aspects of it. This is one of those films where everyone thought it was just going to be a Barbie movie about a doll. But they thought it was going to be some Truman-like aspects. And then when it goes there and it has some feminist undertones, people get very perplexed. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was going to have that. But there are people coming out of this movie both complaining about it being for mothers and then complaining that it's trying to stop motherhood. <laughs> and that has to intrigue you just a little bit. Yeah. You can get such <laughs> completely opposite perspectives. I, exactly. I I generally feel like if you are getting sort of critiques from both sides, you are sort of onto something, particularly when you are in doing this in the form of something that is so populist and so accessible and obviously like so widely embraced and seen, you know, this, we, we don't want to necessarily get into this aspect too early, but like it was a gigantic success at the box office. A lot of people saw yes. this movie and yes. for these messages to be packaged in this way in a movie that is this uh, big, I think is significant. So even if like maybe it is like uh, too overtly feminist or, or in some patches in or in a heavy-handed way, maybe it is like not feminist enough in its ultimate messaging. Maybe it right. does kind of like resemble white feminism in its its uh, approach to it. I don't know how much I really care about uh, those divisions, but like that it it promotes that discussion at least and is able to package all that in a way that at its core, is very funny and very entertaining. It's very absurd. And I love this kind of like uh, unabashedly stupid, but in a smart way, comedy that gets at sort of like a high comedy level and a low comedy level because there is a lot of like dumb slapstick pun material in there, but it's all sort of like packaged around these ideas of like what a feminist utopia could mean for for women and the differences between that and, uh, you know, our world, you know, and maybe the, the like, uh, commentary on feminism is a little bit like uh, not like the most novel thing in the world. But what I really did appreciate about the approach here was less so less that part of it and more the reckoning with the differences between an idealistic vision of society and the real world and, and what that sort of like awakening, whether that is going from Barbie land to the real world or if that's just becoming like outgrowing your childhood and becoming an adult and seeing what the real world is like, like I think that's a pretty interesting and powerful thing to put in a film like that. So that aspect of it, I really did respond to. I'm put to you this way. I know we're two guys, Ken Splaining here, <laughs> but this is Greta's Fight Club. Mm-hmm. That's how I see it. I think there are aspects of this movie, like you were saying, it's not just about awakening where it's this don't worry darling or Stepford Wives, Truman Show type thing. Uh, I think a lot of the commentary is also uh, inward, and a mm-hmm. lot of people aren't getting that. I think there are many uh, people who went to go see Fight Club and then want to actually punch another dude in the face afterwards, not realizing that's not really the message of the movie. The mm-hmm. exact same way that uh, overly loving Barbie Land 
isn't technically the point. We'll get into more spoilers, but I truly believe this is Greta's Fight Club, and a lot of the people who are praising it and loving it don't realize the critique that it's also saying about themselves as well. Yeah. Um, you mentioned uh, in your uh, beginning uh, discussion of it that you kind of mentioned that Christopher Nolan comparison. And I think that's really apt, not just because of this whole Barbenheimer uh, weekend of it all, but the way that Nolan was able to use the Dark Knight and the whole Batman franchise to level up his abilities and his budgetary uh, command as a filmmaker and can, you know, convince studios that he can work on a big budget level. You know, maybe it's that, we have a reminder in what it can result in, in Oppenheimer being in theaters in the same time. But I am tempted to really kind of, not, not I don't want to say excuse, because that makes it sound like I don't really enjoy and appreciate Barbie. Like, I think Barbie is pretty fantastic. But, you know, I think this is kind of, we're, we're as you're mentioning, we're, this is the game for filmmakers now, is that in order to... Bin. Though, yeah, ben. exactly. In order to like level up your game, you have to, you know, play the studio system a little bit. And the studio system is different than it was in like the 70s and the 80s and when studios took more risks on original material or stuff that wasn't heavily tied into intellectual property. But what makes a great filmmaker great is their ability to you know work within those boundaries and find something interesting and Greta you know she did this before in her adaptation of Little Women which takes something that is very familiar and finds something that feels unique and fresh about it and, and that she you know is able to take what is just you know a dull universe and find so much humor and so much insight and so much room for fun exploration I think is just a sign of what a amazing uh, ability she has as a filmmaker. There's a lot there. So mm -hmm. you've seen the uh, Oppenheimer Barbie meme where they're saying it's Greta now staring out like Oppenheimer <laughs> did, realizing what have I caused by creating this thing. Yep. Uh, I'm really excited for our Oppenheimer talk, which is going to follow right after this because we're having our own intercut Barbenheimer day today. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do agree with you because I had heard inklings that uh, what, what is your letterbox review? I wholeheartedly feel that Christopher Nolan is always putting a little bit of himself into his movies. Totally. And there is a bit, obviously, in Oppenheimer of, oh, the guy who created the bomb didn't realize he was creating the bomb. With Nolan in the Dark Knight, that would have been the, 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 the beginning of this dark and gritty mode. Mm -hmm. I truly see this as the flip and all of a sudden... We will finally have colors back in movies. We won't have those third acts that are so dark. Like, I, I can see this being uh, the beginning of what's not just going to be this Mattel universe, which mm -hmm. I'm iffy on, you know? Uh, I don't fully hate the Marvel universe, but obviously it comes with a lot of garbage. The mm -hmm. Mattel universe will create some other really cool stuff. Kaluuya's working on that party movie. Uh, they're going to get some interesting talent for some other stuff. Yeah. But quantity over quality will rear its head in there. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, the same way that there were, you know, I think there was an era of Marvel where even though I definitely am hit or miss, a lot of people are hit or miss with some of those movies, there are some real classics in there. And as they've expanded and diminished the talent pool, maybe that quality average is, yeah. is waning. You know, your mistakes totally, stand out more. Right. There's totally an opportunity for 
Mattel to make interesting films with their different properties. I don't know if I'm looking forward to Lena Dunham's Polly Pocket movie particularly, but you know, I'm I'm open to it. Watch I, it I, slap, bro. It, it might, it might. She created girls under it in show. Um, oh. But I, I don't hey, know. Is it true? Because you would know more about this than I would. I'm just like an outsider yeah. to all of, all of the that pettiness there. But they said, uh, uh, so I know a lot of people are against her, Miss yeah. Polly Pocket. Uh, but they said that uh, uh, she made girls so that Greta could walk. <laughs> I mean, there's certainly a lot of like influence in terms of what uh, what the tone on girls in terms of what's become popular, I think, in films like Greta Gerberg's. But Greta Gerberg is doing mumble, mumblecore while Lena Dunham was oh, still no, just bro. in they school. They said Lena stopped so that <laughs> Greta can look back and see how far she's walked. <laughs> There's going to be some interesting ones that are, that are coming up. Again, I go back to like you were saying, uh, this idea of like now people think that it's about uh, what people need to do uh, of doing one for the studio and one for them. This is mm-hmm. a tale as old as time. And only what gets me again is I remember people saying, no, nah, that's not how the studio system works. And look, I think there's a lot of uh, left-leaning people who don't understand how economics works, and uh, they want to, like, go up against that. And now with Barbie, they're kind of finally embracing it. And I find that, like, weird, interesting, fascinating, and a little Mm -hmm. worrisome that how Mm -hmm. quickly you can go against what was these morals of uh, uh, now Tor, if you want to consider Greta that, should not make this move. I knew the moment she made Little Woman, and if you remember the ending to Little Woman, she Mm -hmm. does, like, the cop-out double ending. Which I like. I, I thought it was I I, like it. it's smart. I like it too. But that's when I knew I was like, oh, yeah, she's going to give the studio exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. I understand the game. It's interesting now that everybody who, who didn't like it is kind of looking forward to it. But it's only because it's packaged in a certain way. And I think that's where I then look at Barbie and wonder with all these people going, how did they – how did Mattel let them get away with this? Okay. And I argue – if you're seeing it on the screen, they ain't get away with anything. It is what they wanted. It is the Golden Globes hiring right. our boy to literally give them a spanking in his hosting duties, uh, Gerard Car- Carmichael, because they needed to be reprimanded. This is a movie where Mattel sales were down. No one's buying Barbies. They needed someone who can clean things up and put her on the map again. No, look, we live in an age where, like, Wendy's is tweeting like insults at people and Denny's is like, you know, existentially <laughs> depressed on Twitter, right? Or X or whatever it's oh, called. It's now. so annoying, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like bra- brands are are fully embracing like weirdness and, and subversion and whatever. So I, I feel like the whole like how did she get away with this thing is like a very like ten years right. ago kind of reaction to this movie. Uh, although Mario I did Bros. I did hear that in test screenings, they uh, there's a certain moment that got bleeped that was not bleeped. So maybe that is a specific Mattel uh, note. But, you know, Goofy. Uh, maybe I heard we about should that, get yeah. into fuller spoilers. I don't know if there's anything Please? you want to. Oh, well, I guess before maybe we get there, do you want to at least t- comment on the production design? Because that is the, the one uh, element that I feel like is inarguably like a beautiful standout uh, potentially future Oscar, nom- Oscar nominee worthy uh, part of this whole uh, production. Bro. You know how annoying Marvel fans get when they're like the Spidey suit and the, the under the wings of the whatever? Y'all not ready for these Barbie fans. <laughs> it was so impeccable. Yeah. The amount of detail they went into it. 
you are not ready for the updates <laughs> for the Barbie <laughs> outfit leaks for Barbie 2 and 3 and 4. It is going to get so out of pocket. Molly Pocket. <laughs> it was fantastic. No, it they mopped it, dude. It was incredible. Yeah. And I also love that they went both of these movies Oppenheimer and this using old school film techniques that people went whoa you can do that practically there's that sequence mm-hmm. kind of what you're showcasing there where they're going through Barbie land into the real world and they have that almost um, uh, uh, what uh, Bo is afraid kind of did in his journey where it's kind of like this moving <laughs> the rotating play. like flat wall in yeah. the background yeah stuff yeah, they yeah. did in the 40s and 50s and it's mm-hmm. like if you're bringing that back do it because like people are seeing the difference on screen when it's not CGI, when it mm-hmm. looks like it pops out more because it feels more tactile. And the way they created this world, I've been seeing a lot of the behind the scenes, the uh, the AD uh, breakdowns for it and how they designed a lot of the houses. I don't know if anything stood out to you, but I, I, I know that it is also selling a lot of the merch. Mm-hmm. But damn, they got that down. And again, I connected to like the Marvel outfits, the DC outfits, like when they put the time and energy into it. Yeah. Ruth has won twice for Wakanda. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see them taking some here. Yeah, I mean, it, there there is like a lovingly crafted element of it that even if it is sort of like in service of this like highly commercial product, there's just like th- the detail of it is so appreciated. Like I love um, her dream house and all the elements that are like loyal to the ideas of a doll, like that she opens up the fridge and there's like flat. I wanted uh, more of that. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that is really, really cool. And You know, I almost wish that, like, the real world uh, element of it was a little more, like, realized in a certain way just because it feels like such a letdown when you're it, when you go from this candy-coated beautiful aesthetic to something that is more drab and more, less interesting like I just was really excited to return back to the more interesting part of the movie um, I agree dude and especially mm-hmm. because it's not really Barbie land into the real world it's Barbie land into the movie real world because they still add goofy in there but i agree with you like i i think what would have really cemented it that it's like okay the entire thing is you know this whole movie is packaged in a cinematic world you got barbie land and then when they enter the real world if they would have done something like uh in the matrix which gets homaged very heavily in this movie when they're in the real world in the matrix it's green and i think that hue really lets you know like okay this is a very stale type world but they enter the real world and some people act normal or they're like what is this person doing other people act belligerent. And then you got the Mattel bros who are like doing Scooby-Doo runs. Exactly. <laughs> That's where it got a little weird for me. The whole thing is so absurdist and the it visually kind of matches that aesthetic whenever it's in Barbie land. But it doesn't yeah. always match that in, in the real world. It does a bit in the Mattel exactly. office. But yeah. Like, right. But maybe it's and, that. And it, Exactly. But it's not like it's heightened because there's still the roller bl- blading and the car chases and stuff yeah. like that. So I don't know. I think that's something that maybe would have taken it to another level. But we are talking about some detail about the plot. Let's call this like the, the spoiler this part where we can get more freely into whatever discussions we want to have you would recommend people to see it in theaters? I would absolutely recommend people see it in theaters. I I don't know if it won Barbenheimer weekend for me personally, but I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was fantastic, and I do think it is one of the best movies of this year. I would also argue that you should watch it. Zach had mentioned that we're covering it on the second week, but boy, do those numbers look like it's the first (laughs) week in the box office. So the only question I have before spoilers, Zach, how would you watch them? Because that's the recipe. That's the order. How, How are you placing your Barbenheimer order? You know, before 
I got to see them. I was saying it sounds like you should do uh, like Oppenheimer for dinner and Barbie for dessert. You know, like you get your your full meal in before you get your lighter fare. I don't know if I agree with myself anymore. I think I'd go Barbie first because it's fun and it's it's enjoyable. But I think I'd rather like sit on Oppenheimer and not like not like wash that out of my mouth very uh very after the you know right after the screening you know what i mean yeah i see it's also interesting because like they're both about death right so even if you did see barbie and you're like dang that existential dread and Mm -hmm. then you come to oppenheimer and you're like yep for sure or if you Mm -hmm. saw oppenheimer thinking all right i want that palate cleanser and she's just thinking about dying yeah both, uh, Watch 15 minutes of each theater hop. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the true Barbenheimer experience. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting parallels between mm-hmm. the movies, actually, if we, we sure. want to get into that. But I, yes, I agree. It, let's in get into the spoilers. Ways, yeah. yeah, spoilers section for, officially. Yes, sir. All right, what do you want to get into? Did you want more story or did you like the story that Barbie had uh, in the film? Look, the story uh, of Barbie, I think, is really intriguing. I like this jump to the to the real world. It, it could be because you and I have seen, you know, uh, Will Ferrell already in a movie that did kind of that twist of a corporation dealing with toys in the Lego movie. And that knocks it out of the park. Uh, I don't want to fully spoil that. But then you also have other aspects of it, like the Truman Show, in where the toys kind of realize that they're being controlled by something outside. And it's when the lore of... What connects what? This tethering, right, of the Barbie world and the real world that I got a little too inconvenient for me on mm-hmm. when they played it up and when they didn't. And that's where the themes that then start coming in of, like, this Barbie that's going to find herself. But isn't she really just controlled by someone in the real world? Mm-hmm. And if the patriarchy is over there, then the matriarchy here is kind of a backhanded compliment because it's a fantasy world. Like, you know, like, they're talking about how, how perfect this world is. When at the same time, it's like, but it's the fantasy one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like when uh, Black Panther really shouts out Wakanda, but that's fiction. Like, th- that's not really the compliment that you think it is. And then as you're showing them right there, at the end of it all, it, it trickles back to these dudes who run the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I say that it, it's a little uh, messy in the way that it deals with its own lore. But I do think the deeper that we get into it, I, I think she's commenting on some stuff that are... Uh, a lot more introspective than people are taking it out to be. It's not this, the Barbies hate men. It's truly like flipping it. If Barbie was in Ken's situation, which is what the point of the movie is, mm-hmm. that's how he would feel. He would feel like the trophy wife, the trophy Ken in this world um, and what he would do to, to break out. That said, I think Ken had the best one. I know <laughs> that it's a Barbie movie, but damn, I think Ken was a standout for most people. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are definitely coming out of the movie to re- uh responding to that Ryan Gosling performance. He's really good in it. I don't know if this makes any sense. Uh, it, I thought, I feel like it's a Channing Tatum role, but it's elevated because it's Ryan Gosling because he's just got that comedic that timing and presence. That should have been in your letterbox review, bro. <laughs> oh my goodness. If Channing would have taken this, it wouldn't have done it. Yeah. You, you are 100% correct. This is the Channing Tatum role that should get nominated exactly. because this man came in. Exactly. I feel that. But, I feel that. Yeah. Um, all in, I, I really, really loved him in it. He gets a lot of the very funny stuff to do. I don't want to discount 
uh, Margot Robbie in the role of Barbie because she's able to both balance the absurd comedic aspect of it. You know, I really love uh, the moment when she starts to have her existential crisis and she falls over very robotic, like like, like the doll, the you know, like yeah. the stiffness of it. Uh, but she's also able to sell the emotionality of it. And I feel like scenes like that bench scene just don't really work with most actresses. But like you you really kind of, I, I don't know, she's able to tap into that emotionality. Mm. Um, the I, bench I scene really with the elderly was, lady? Yes. Is one of the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, it's beautiful. And to find out that Mattel wanted to cut that. See, that's the that's the aspect of Mattel that gets me worried about any future Mattel movies. Like, are they learning the long, wrong lessons wrong from Barbie? Wrong lessons, yeah. right? Please give us this feminist movie about how someone who has never aged can see an aging woman and see the beauty because she hasn't been told that you're not supposed to grow old. And Mattel said, yeah, no, cut that. <laughs> what? what? Yeah, an amazing no, moment like, for sure. That's an amazing moment in a big yeah. blockbuster movie. Uh, talking about the America Ferrara and Ariana Greenblatt characters, the, the real world mother and daughter. Yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed it, and I enjoyed also the the brevity of it. There's a mm-hmm. part of me, you know, like I see people who want to like know more about them or feel like they're they're not that uh, lived in or detailed. I feel like the more you kind of like specify what they're going through, the less they're able to kind of be like this sort of easily relatable like can anybody can kind of project themselves onto it kind of people and for me dolls (laughs) yeah but you know it worked for barbie and ken exactly Uh. yeah uh i i feel like you know to me the movie was at its most electric and exciting during the parts where the, that were that were least focused on the story, that were most just kind of like taking in the world and relating what the Barbie Land experience is like to the non-Barbie Land experience. And whenever it tried to sort of like hone down and, and be a little bit more like dramatic, I kind of wanted it to go more absurd. So for me, I, I feel like it almost, if anything, could have gone in the opposite direction and done like even less story. I think, yeah, because uh, one... For the daughter's character, right? She's been mm-hmm. blowing up. She's been young Gamora. She's been uh, young in the Heights. Like, she's been in everything. So this is, like, one of the most massive roles for her. She was in 65 with Adam Driver as well. There's a moment where she refers to herself as a tween, and that's when I checked out uh, in terms of her character. Right. She gives this big speech at, at, at right at the beginning when Barbie goes to visit her. And I'm like, no, for sure. I don't disagree with a single thing you said. Um, damn, was this written for you? Damn, was this passed through the through the whiteboard of the executives? And they were like, mm-hmm. okay, yes, this is how we need to handle Barbie. And if this is what the kids are saying, and it'll get them to buy the doll, for sure. The moment she called herself a tween, and then later on, an older dude even goes, yeah, the, the tween. She went that way. I'm like... Ah, mm. no tween is calling themselves a tween. Right. America's speech was great. Again, I don't disagree with anything she said there, but like mm-hmm. you were mentioning, in a movie that's so absurdist, I wanted everything that she said to come out in an absurdist way, not mm-hmm. stopping the movie to have a monologue. And it's not a yeah. bad monologue in any way, no, shape, or form. Because like a I, precious I, moments moment. Exactly. I kind of I agree with you. And I feel like it almost got there because it's sort of there is a bigness to what she's expressing that is like kind of borderline absurd. But it's it's just sort of a grounded in a way that maybe w- feels at odds tonally with some of what the rest of the movie is serving. And maybe uh, I, I like when a, when the film is able to both 
give you its message and kind of make fun of the delivery system of it that. at the same time. Exactly. And it's a moment where they're only doing one of those things. Easily. No, yeah. a complete little tangent here because it just came live right now. But there is uh, an aspect of the movie specifically that feels like Pee-wee's Playhouse, right? Yeah, totally. Where it's so absurd. Pee-wee, who just passed right now, literally as we're speaking, just so you know, which is the reason yeah. I'm bringing it up now. Damn, boy. Recipes, my man. But mm-hmm. the way he creates his zany world and never stops that momentum is what I thought this movie was going to be. Totally. That it does dip into the real world just to be real when it needs it and brings the realness into the Barbie land to give speeches like that. So yeah. I agree with you. I think if it would have balanced its tone a little bit better, uh, it would have delivered. Because you have that, that aspect with Will Ferrell mm-hmm. where they are told that once the Kens take over Barbie land – that the Ken toys are selling out like crazy. And it creates this big problem that people had when yeah. they were like, if the Ken toys are selling, then why does he want to go back into the Barbie land world uh, to fix things? You know, it's a corporation. All it wants is money. And people thought that the joke was like, oh, he's a self-proclaiming feminist. No, it turns out there's a deleted scene where all the Kens get returned. And we never saw that. Hmm. So there's still a part of the movie, because I guess it was already stretching it too long, yeah. where they forgot to include that part. Which would answer the question that, no, they're still kind of greedy. They just want things to go back to the way that they were. And here's my issue. They never blame Mattel. It is Barbie. It is the patriarchy. It is people and their own problems. But it's never Mattel. They rush in to Barbie land Mm -hmm. and then just enter limbo for like 30 minutes of that second half. Mm -hmm. And when they appear... Nothing happens to them. No blame is shifted to them. And that, to me, is the absolute most pathetic part of the movie. Yeah, it does. They go from feeling like uh, the instigating fa- like element of it, right? like, or at least a, a big conduit for it, to sort of being an afterthought by the end. Like, Lame. the tension is resolved and they're there, too. Right? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, definitely feels bogus. like an, an underserved element of, of the movie. Easily, um, yeah. Like, they're kind of the patriarchy, but, well, it's still Mattel. They're cutting the yeah. check. And uh, <laughs> Warner Bros. Discovery in the background, which is getting really corny at this point from WB. Mm-hmm. The Matrix did the same thing. Our greedy corporate overlords at Warner Bros. It's yeah. getting, I don't know, it's getting to be a little much. You think you're in on the joke, but not really. It's like you had mentioned on Twitter, X, when you got these <laughs> brands pretending to be depressed and whatever they think is relatable. It comes off lame. What we talked about some of the things that uh, we didn't like as much about the movie, but what were some of your favorite elements aside from uh, Ken. Ken? Oh, okay. Besides Ken, yeah, uh, I like the uh, idea that Margot Robbie uh, lives in this world where everything that she's done has been picture perfect, and what happens when you live such a picture perfect life that even something like you know they make it cellulite, which was goofy, but I think it works pretty well because yeah, you know, in the real world it'd be cellulite. For her, it's wear and tear. And I just thought of Woody in Toy Story 2 when he gets, mm-hmm. like, the little damage. And I'm like, it works in her world. To her, she's supposed to be the stereotypical Barbie who feels like, you know, it, it, if the way that she looks starts being damaged, she sees herself like damaged goods to a yeah. degree. But the more that she enters the real world, she starts realizing that there's other things that she can do. And, again, that moment on the bench I think is really beautiful because it's her realizing, like, you, you, like that's what you can look like. Everyone is frozen in time. In Barbie land. So it's not even that they've not been told that growing old is bad. They don't even know what that looks like. Totally. 
and I, I, I thought the way that she was able to handle a lot of those moments were really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, weird Barbie. Uh, there's an element to it, and again, I have to, re- have to rewatch it. Are you under the belief that every single Barbie had a different owner? Or do you think that America's character owned all those Barbies? Because Ooh, that's an interesting I, theory. I think in one of the flashbacks when What's Her Name is getting cut, uh, mm-hmm. Weird Barbie, it's Gloria's character, but younger. Which led Ooh. me to think, are they all just owned by Gloria, thus making her speech moment and all this zaniness and it really being centered around her, kind of like an Andy story in reverse. That's pretty cool. Thank you. I mean... I feel like that they maybe couldn't make that explicit because it would feel too much like Toy Story, but like eh, take it. <laughs> but like no, implicitly, like that's that's a really cool element, you know. And I, I was wondering if like that was just her whole Barbie world because you remember there's a certain point when they give they hit you with that twist of is it the little girls? Psych, it's the moms. Uh, when they get rid of all the toys except for that one Barbie, they get rid of all the other ones who end up remaining perfect. Hmm. So that's why Barbie's the first one to feel something because she's the only one who's been kept, whereas the other ones have been thrown away. And I guess that means they're okay. Again, I don't understand the implications of like, what if a Barbie is thrown away, though? If a Barbie's thrown away, I feel that should affect them. But it also, like, does it really matter? Like, I I, I don't know if I need it to be, like, of complete lore. I like just the the basic idea there. I need to know where the cinematic universe is heading, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) I can't have a secret invasion goofy ending like that happen. I just need to know that Alan's okay. I, I just want good things for Alan, good things for Michael Sarah. I really appreciated his role in this movie. I think it gets what's very funny about Michael Sarah. Uh, enjo- enjoyed him quite a bit. Were there any of the other uh, non main Barbies and Kens that you really liked in this movie? Um, I'm trying to think of the Simu scenes. <laughs> that I thought were pretty goofy. Uh, there was the beach scene where they're all playing that, uh, what is it, the Matchbox 20 song. Yeah. And they're all, Bush. like, learning how to <laughs> how to one-up each other um, on the beach. Yeah, as he beaches. And just the way that they were able to kind of, like, have this almost, like, takeover. Mm-hmm. I know people got, like, really peeved with that. But I was just like, it's, it's all so funny. Damn. Yeah. Like, like let, let it be a joke. Uh, I did look into that, and it's, like, one of Greta's favorite songs. And I know a lot of people were like, oh, she's dissing Matchbox 20, but she broke it down. The song originally was about an abusive relationship that the lead singer was in mm-hmm. and then wrote it from his perspective. So when you remember that Ken is playing the song, it is both working as as the interpretation of a song that is used by men to belittle women, not realizing that the purpose of the song was a guy who felt like he was being abused himself, which is what Ken is playing in both aspects. I Right. Like, there are some parts of the script where she is on one. Yeah. And, like, I think a lot of those elements of it where it's sort of making fun of, of stereotypes or culture. Like, I really love uh, the depressed Barbie that uh, watches uh, the Pride and Prejudice. You know, I don't think these oh, are meant... Oh, that killed in my theater. I don't think it's meant to, like insult any of those things or loving any of those things, but just identify that these are are things that people do. Yeah, or or, they're stereotypes for a reason. And, you know, I think they're very lovingly inserted there. You know, I um, I feel like I don't feel like that mention of The Godfather means that Greta doesn't think that's a great Talk movie. Talk about you know? it, dude, because that's what they've taken. And it's like, that's that's not what it yeah. is. 
Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, I bet also between her and Noah that a lot of this is very like knowingly pointed at each other. Like you do that or I do that. You know, it's it's stuff that is familiar to them. And that's, that's why they, they'd put it in there. You know, there's a joke about the band Pavement and like, you know, being Brooklynites. Like obviously they've interacted with either a lot of Pavement fans or, or been like frustrated by Pavement fans, you know, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, no. Uh, obviously, you know, it's mentioned right there the Zack Snyder joke as well. I, I feel like it's just WB always putting one in there <laughs> for Zack, but it's also still funny. You know, yeah. I, I think between the both of us, I, I like his movies a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's trying to be goofy just for the sake of being goofy. Um, yeah. And that's what, again, leads me back to this idea of the, the thematics in the world is not saying that when Barbies run the world, everything is okay. It is comparing that in the real world, if the patriarchy is running things, you know, a certain mm-hmm. gender doesn't get to do things. Right. And in the Barbie land world where everything seems picture perfect, it's not horses and everything else. It's all pink. The women run everything and the Kens don't get to do a single thing. If you get peeved by that, not realizing it's just a reverse Stepford Wives, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it is also dissecting. That having it just be that is also not a good thing. There was a mm-hmm. someone even brought it up in the chat. A fantastic line at the end where they <laughs> where the Kens have taken over, and in duping them back in time, <laughs> they get the Kens to forget to vote. Like they suppress the vote <laughs> for the Kens. It's such a hot topic issue that people will just like tweak and not realize. Like no, but it's funny. Like you yeah. said, it is not like telling you anything other than commenting on a certain tactic a certain it's, thing that happens it's using it, smart ideas in a very stupid way and i i yes i love it for that and again because it doesn't hold your hand and stare at the camera like it does for a lot of other things you know there's a sequence where uh margot robbie says um i i feel very ugly and then uh helen Mirren, <laughs> it's the like i'm conscious com- of myself oh no yes. that's a, a oh, different no, 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 bit but, but that's also a great one yeah i feel yeah. like everyone's looking at me and i feel conscious of myself I love that line. That that one's also fantastic. But Helen Mirren like interrupts her calling herself ugly going, if WB knew any better, they wouldn't have cast Margot Robbie. <laughs> yeah. Because it holds your hand so many times, when it's doing something so out in the open, like, you know, uh, b- telling you that the Barbies were able to vote without the Kens and then proceed to only give the Kens, not even it was a, a chair, not even a cabinet, <laughs> not a place in the Senate, but like the most, yeah. the lowest level they can give them. And then they say it's like they're going to increase in um, power the same way they do in the real world. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, it's commenting that the Barbie should also not have all control. I don't know. I feel like it's very blatant. Yeah. There are interviews with Greta already saying this as well. And while you have one side like, hating it because they think it just hates all men you have the other side that's also missing the point of like it's also critiquing that it shouldn't fully be a matriarchy or a patriarchy it's a blend of the two one of the best lines is said by i believe it's america or the woman who uh, created barbie we create these words in the real world because we don't know how to handle the messiness of life love that yeah, there's a lot of a lot of gems That's in there. That's a banger line. <laughs> so you're not uh, in agreement with Ben Shapiro then, Bruh, It's cringy, dude. Like I don't <laughs> I don't get it. Like my question is like if you're counting how many times the word patriarchy is used, when do you start counting? Like do you, I got did you, you bro. count the first one? I'm gonna give you an LME line right here. If you think you're an alpha male and you're getting triggered by a Barbie movie, 
You're not an alpha. You're a beach <laughs> at that point. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's corny, bro. I got you another one. I don't know when we went from social justice warriors to holy justice warriors. This is getting out of hand, bro. I mean, the funniest aspect of this all to me is all of this right-wing panic over the doll movie at the same time that there's also a movie doing very well in cinemas that is like communist sympathizing <laughs> and anti-war and calls Republicans evil. and It's crazy. I but I know he preferred that movie. Look. That's just also the way of the internet. It's the way of where we are at a culture. I, I know for myself, we've gotten it um, through my channel and even here on Intercut. Back when I was, you know, talking about everything, as I always have, if I'm talking about feminists in what, pre-2017, and I criticize them, that's not political. But in this day and age, mm -hmm, if you mm -hmm. critique something in a certain political. way... Like, bro, I don't know what to tell you at that point. Like, mm -hmm. it, you realize that everyone's just going to insert your own thing. Like you just said, you are counting a word that stands out to you regardless of what it even means in the context of the story. Yeah. Uh, circling back a little bit, Pink Sweets in the live stream comments mentioned Issa Rae was so good with what she was given. Issa, I thought, absolutely killed uh, her small she little bits. She needed more, bits. though. Yeah, I'll tell you yeah. What, on the press run, she's funny as always, bro. She's got a sense of humor. She's an asset. <laughs> nah, <laughs> they need to give her more. Yeah, I mean, uh, they need to give the Screen Actors Guild a lot more to get get more of that too. Um, that too. Anissa was probably one of my favorites. I really liked Kate McKinnon, which is not a sentence that uh, I've said about a lot of her most recent movie roles, but thought she was very well utilized as Weird Barbie here. If Margot um, was born for Barbie, she was born for Weird Barbie. <laughs> absolutely. And uh, Kingsley Benadir, just sort of like constantly in Ryan Gosling's shadow, just like two steps behind him. I thought it was very funny. You know, in that Matchbox 20 sequence, when, when the camera pulls out and he's like on the drum set. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> no, like you, I told you, I know you haven't seen Secret Invasion, but I told you, I was like, ah, they're, I don't know what they're doing with him in that show. Yeah. He does, like, barely anything in this, and it's so much better than that performance. <laughs> There's a look in his eyes, dude, where he's just, like, staring out. <laughs> it kills me, bro. The Kens knew what they were doing. And all the Simu memes had also been funny, how he's yeah. just still Ken outside of it. <laughs> um, did uh, the ending of this movie work for you? It makes no sense, bro. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's such a dumb ending, but like you said, at a certain point, you can yeah. get triggered and just be like, I don't care. Yeah. Why would a doll become human? I don't know. It's a Pinocchio story, I guess, but... Yeah. You know, if like if I like sit down and logic it, like there's no sense no. to it at all. I but did just feel it. was like, yeah, it was, I thought it was really beautifully executed. Like it, it totally got me to cry a little bit. I'm not sure why, but yeah. it's like, it's just so beautiful. Life is so beautiful. I don't normally feel that way, but Barbie it, got me to feel that way. It's literally saying it, it, it might suck but it's still worth living yeah like, like that's the message of the movie that's it yeah we get, I don't, we get again it was too close to home for a lot of real issues that it then mm -hmm. makes you go like well that's not a thing that could happen plastic can't be <laughs> i did think the final line was a killer though like one of the great final lines in comedies that's a zinger bro yeah it really that was is. great i actually sat there going like there's no. <laughs> no, bro. There's no way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wanted to ask you also quickly about the music. You know, it's got a, a Banger. pretty ba uh, banger-filled soundtrack. I think a lot of people are expecting the uh, Billie Eilish song to be like the major Oscar contender. I've seen a lot of people talking about the Ken song. Is there one in particular that stands out to you or that you would like to see maybe pushed for a nomination at the original song Oscars? Yeah, let me pull this up right here because I know that a lot of it 
won't be considered because they're not original, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them are, uh, a, a lot of them are remakes. So the like main Barbie one that's got Ice Spice. Yeah. The Barbie world well, one with Aqua. If we want to ignore that, like, is there a song that you enjoyed the most? Like, would you? Oh, would Charlie you... XCX's Speed Drive is the best one on the album. It's not even close. <laughs> I, I d- great one. Uh, I kind of love, and maybe this is just because I I like original songs that are really integral to the movie. I kind of love the opening Lizzo thing. Really? <laughs> I think it fits okay. so well. Um, I don't know. It just like made me laugh, and and I I don't know. I enjoyed it a lot. In the so. context of the movie, or outside of it. In the context of the movie, okay. so like I don't want to see them perform that at the Oscars. But it's an original song that was made for the movie that actually makes the movie better, which I feel like should be in consideration. For sure. Uh, Dominic Fike needs to stop making all of these movie soundtracks. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, I love my boy. But, like, damn, bro, it's getting, hey, Blondie, hey, Blondie, brah, come on. They're stretching them thin. But the Billie Eilish one is good. At first, when I had heard it, Mm -hmm. I thought, I'm like, okay, you know, there's been a lot of – eyes on Billie Eilish in terms of her baggy clothing to then her becoming obviously, you know, older and, you know, taking back her own image. And that's really what the song is about. It's a lot slower um, than a lot of the other songs on the album, but where it's placed in the movie, damn, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it works so well. Uh, We're about to see Billie at Lollapalooza as well. So I'm going to be very curious how she performs that one. To me, you know, with the track record she's had with the uh, 007 one, I think that might be the one that gets pushed the most. But my real Oscar question for you, Zach. Yes. Is the script original or is it adapted? So, like, this this is maybe a good case for there being, like, a third category. Because it is not completely original, but it's just about as close as we can get, right? Like, it, it there's not, like, a rich Barbie lore they're pulling from. There's a lot of, like, products that they've included that are unoriginal. Uh, can you name do we me another best, movie? Do we need a best adapted costume design? Maybe that's a better question. What do you mean? Oh, like a whole separate costume <laughs> category? <laughs> See, to me, other ones that I can compare to this would be like, you know, any Marvel movie, in my opinion, should be any Batman movie should be even the Lego movie, because it is based off the property. And I would say that's even more original should still be adapted because it's based off the Legos. It's what you're selling. So to me, it's it's an it's an adaptation through and through. Totally. Even if it is an original story. But isn't it isn't it a little bit different than what they did with White Noise, Noah, Noah and Greta, or, or what Christopher Nolan just did with Oppenheimer, ba- basing it on American Prometheus, that biography, which is like a meaty, rich text that he borrowed oh, a lot yeah, from. Okay, I see what you're saying. Like, it's still adapted. It's not yeah. denying that, but it's definitely not a book adaptation, for sure. Yeah, it's like there's original, there's adap- adapted, and there's, like, original adaptations. And that that's kind of where this okay, one should fall. Okay, all right. Yes, no, I do agree with you. <laughs> Let's get the stunt one first. Let's get the stunt yes. category in there. But no, I feel, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, because, yeah. and I feel like a lot of Emmy ca- categories are like that, where you get some of these that are stuck in the middle of, like, well, yeah. how is it supposed it's to It's not really comedy, it's not really drama, it's yeah. kind of in that middle. I, okay, I, I feel that. It's yeah. got to be adapted, though. It's yeah, exactly. Like, that... It has to be in that category until we make up our, our third category However, at the Intercut Awards. You did bring up 
Yes. We should have that one, right? Uh, you did bring up the idea of white noise, a movie that you and I have come up to bat for that also mm-hmm. talks about consumerism mm-hmm. and has its own dance sequences mm-hmm. and these bright colors and as absurd. It's got chase sequences, sort of. Y'all want to go back and rewatch that? Because that's another <laughs> reason why I'm saying it's full of IP. The people They're... did not give the pass to white. It's, Zach, it's the same It's a perfect team. double feature. It's a perfect double feature. Yeah. And the people who didn't like white noise... Are not like Barbie's my favorite movie of the year. <laughs> I don't know what to it do about it. No I don't know what to do sense, about it. Zachary. Yeah, yeah, it makes no sense. Go back and watch White Noise. That's an underrated movie. Um, you know, w- well, one you more make thing. White Noise, but just add pink to it, I guess. Because <laughs> at that point, but that's that made no sense to me, Zach. I don't yeah. only like you and I want to get at this conversation. Right. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's the same movie. Justice for White Noise. Same people. Uh, one last point on Barbie. You know, there, there's a lot of the comparisons going around to, as we mentioned, stuff like the Lego movie and other things that have been adapted from from childhood toys. And one thing that I did really appreciate about this film specifically is that even though I think there's a lot of stuff that are in there for kids that kids could appreciate, this did feel like it was for adults, like it did have like an, a message for for a grown person and for like... Maybe not necessarily like, you know, an, a very old crowd, but like for for people who are, you know, of an adult age, I think there's a lot of stuff in there for about the like feeling the feeling jaded with the real world that is is maybe a little bit more emotionally developed than like stuff in the Lego movie. And even though I like the Lego movie more than Barbie. Like, I, I appreciate that maybe there's some more adult skewing stuff in this th- property. I'm going to give it the best compliment I could give it. Uh, it's Space Jam. It's a movie that when you're a kid, you're going to watch it and laugh at everything. And, ha, ah, they beached each other. And you're not really going to get what any of that means. And then you watch it again when you're older. And you realize all of the undertones that are in there. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they did a good job with that. I, I think it works for kids. But it also works for adults. And... Uh, the Super Mario movie was another one where, uh, you know, kids really loved it, but there was this one aspect of that little blue, depressing little orb that even ends the movie that a lot of adults related to. Yeah. Uh, so, Barbie, uh, are you saying it's one of the best movies of the year, one of the best comedies of the year? Or is it? Did it meet your expectations or underwhelm them? Uh I think it's a solid comedy of this year. Uh, Like we were saying, the production design, the performances, I think just the impact that it's going to have, not just in the culture, but on the upcoming movies, like just literally because of the sequels that will be expanding and the spinoffs and all of that. But I also think you're going to have a lot of people want to copy it. A lot of people want to copy the pastels, the colors, the design of it, uh, and also the tone of it. Uh, Maybe you will get some that do a really great job of being able to balance it, maybe even better than Barbie. But if this is what the peak kind of is, I see a lot of people messing it up. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. And it's going to be very derivative. So uh, we're going to definitely feel the ripple effects because this has been a massive hit. I know people have been concerned about the legs of it. Well, we're on the second week and those legs look just as strong as Margot's. So I I think it's going to continue to hit and uh, we'll we'll see. They just need to continue to get really good teams for the follow-ups. Yeah, it made another $93 over the weekend domestically. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles coming out this weekend. I kind of feel like it'll do well, but I would not be surprised if Barbie takes the top spot for a third week in a row. 
I'm prepared for Barbie to eventually pass Super Mario as the highest grossing movie of the year. I didn't think curious, it was yeah. going to happen. I didn't think it, it was either. It feels like it is now. Yeah. People keep saying it's like, oh, it's not. I'm like, but you're you're updating me on stats that are directing me to passing it. Uh, I personally, uh, I don't think Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Barbie will be at number one. I think it'll be Sonic Freedom. <laughs> you know what I did love? I, I, I got to say, one thing that I really appreciated was going to the movie and seeing people dress up for it the way they would some Marvel movies. Like all the pink in my theater, all the people posing with the Barbie standees or in the Barbie box that they've been putting in some theaters. Like it's just, it's exciting. I think it makes the collective experience uh, even better. And it's just one of those movies that like really benefits from that movie theater experience. It was one of the weekends that really made, it, it, it made me more passionate about doing this thing. So I was... Just, I don't know. I just really enjoyed that aspect of the Barbenheimer experience, particularly. Mm-hmm. It was very successful in that sense. And hopefully studios get the right objective when it comes to it. And that's that you just have to screw Christopher Nolan on the next one and you're going to get a big, <laughs> big hit. All right. So uh, that's all for our Barbie talk. We'll be back in a moment with some Oppenheimer. But be sure to follow us on social media, whether that's at Zshevich for me, uh, at Multiplex Show for my YouTube and TikTok. Uh, at LME Movies for Arturo across platforms or at Intercut Pod for this podcast on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok. You can support our Patreon as well at Intercut Pod. And make sure you head over to iTunes or Spotify to give us that much requested five star review. It helps us out a lot. And if you can help us get to 250, five-star reviews on Apple. We'll come over and play Barbies with you. You know, we'll set up the dream house and, you know. (laughs) I cannot do that. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to play with dolls with me? Not in random people's homes, (laughs) but, but, you know, for Barbie 2, we'll we'll be decked out. There we go. All right, maybe maybe we can do like a big intercut Barbie Dreamhouse meetup at the mm-hmm. at the Airbnb that they were our own promoting. Too. <laughs> oh, that that'd be pretty raw. AFI, let's yeah. go to AFI. Uh, and yeah, thanks to our listeners in uh, Canada and Germany who've put us on the film review podcast charts out Thank there. You. Uh, and a reminder that if you follow us at any of our social platforms, you'll get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, I'm not a fascist. I don't control the railways or the flow of commerce. <laughs>